0: Critical Care Practitioner podcast number nine. Let's get straight into it. Talk about Smack 2014.
1: It's a meeting of all these amazing, passionate people who are just all about free, open access, medical education, and they're just the nicest people, the most passionate people. Um, and it's such a privilege to be among them, let alone to stand up and speak to them about something. Um, so yeah really great if you ever get the opportunity to go I would ha- wholeheartedly recommend it um, and I, there's nowhere I'm going to be next May other than in Chicago I, I was in the paediatric concurrent session which was actually an amazing session we had Richard Levitan talking about the paediatric airway and then I was talking about some general paediatric issues and then we had uh, Fran Lockie talking about uh, the experiences of um, being working in a, a children's hospice and dealing with children at the end of life with terminal illness which is something that no one really wants to think about but actually a really important subject and then also um, lessons from paediatric retrieval. Really great great speakers, a great mix and the, and the whole room was full. I was kind of hoping everyone would leave after Levitan and just leave me on my own with like three people, I could have coped with that but no, there were just so many people in the room um, wanting some paediatrics so that was good, it was great um,
2: Well, first thing, I didn't sleep the whole time. I didn't sleep the whole time. So I guess that, that, that will give you an idea. There's just this energy that, well, certainly I get when I go yeah. to that event that that I just don't get going to any other conferences or meetings. And, and and if I could say anything, it's just the fact that you network with people that you've only engaged with in a social media, digital, uh, online um, space. And, and then you actually get to meet them. And, and that mm. just gives you such a great buzz because, one, it, it, it just shows you that the world is a small space when um, you are able to connect in this way. So I guess that's one thing I would say. In terms of what you learn from it, I think medically it's it's there's well, certainly very few conferences I would know of that you would get so much bang for your buck in terms of having... Internationally renowned speakers giving cutting edge topics, and and learning from the best of the best, I guess. So, I mean, I mean, my interest is in airway, and, and I was able to chair one of the airway sessions, and you know, I, I was chairing sessions with people on stage, you know, who you know who have been so active and so powerful in terms yeah. of research
0: Well, Richard Levitan
3: was there. Exactly,
2: exactly, and you know, he incredible credible clinician of our time and uh, he will stand to me as being one of the i guess one of the true greats of airway uh, research education and innovation and um and you know and, and i ran an airway workshop with him so you know just 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 having that experience i think it's it's, it's just um it's, un, you know, it's, it's unrivaled you know and scott you know i mean until smack i'd only ever engage with scott over you know blogging and podcasting and stuff like that and you know when you meet these people it's like you're meeting old friends like nicholas yeah, Nick, you know nicholas grimes you know i would had these huge three-day twitter debates with nicholas grimes i never met the man you know i've just been arguing with him for a whole year and then we we'll actually meet <laughs> and you know and, and i remember meeting him and he just drives up in his little rental car and it's like you know shake hands and it's like we're old friends and we've you know we've known each other for years so that kind of camaraderie is difficult to feel in another conference
4: SMAC reintroduced the fun back for me in a, in a conference and what SMAC did was reintroduce the fun. It had a very strong cohesive message over both years but it also broadened the community around not just the people who were at the conference but the people who weren't at the conference. For whatever reason you could interact with them and you could send messages to them so you know for this year the sessions that we're on you know there's always at a conference that you want to go you, sometimes you're spoiled for choice and you've got to make a decision I'm either going to go to this theme or this street but with smack you can go to all of the streets yeah because people will be tweeting about them and yeah, they've podcast them and broadcast them yeah so, The knowledge isn't lost, and in um, discussions with um, professional colleagues, because I've I've, uh, obviously run some conferences, they strongly believe that if you podcast conferences, people won't come to the conferences. And I
3: nonsense. Nonsense.
4: I don't I don't agree with that because a although you can get a lot of knowledge from the podcast, you don't get it all, and you don't get the atmosphere.
5: You know, I was part of the opening session, which uh, was phenomenal. You know, the theatrics at the beginning were just so great, you know, really set the tone for the conference, which I, I was just blown away by how much deliberate fun there is at SMAC. Blown away by how much deliberate fun, fun, fun there is at SMAC. You know, a lot of conferences are about kind of being stuffy or trying to be, uh, I don't know, trying to come across a certain way and file into these large rooms. And there's, I don't know, sort of this convention to how the conference is delivered and the way in which speakers, you know, almost speak down to audiences. And, you know, the thing about SMAC, which is just so phenomenal, is, you know, the way these guys view putting it together and the way they view themselves and the way they view the whole experience is not, you know, conventional in that regard. It's, you know, definitely about feedback, interaction, and and really fun and sharing. I, I think the thing that blew me away about, you know, which i would never been in a lecture presentation mode where, you know, you put up an interesting slide. People shoot pictures of it, they're tweeting it instantly, and by the time you get back to your seat, you're getting feedback about what you've just said. You know, that was incredible, and it was fun, and it's dynamic, and, you know, so you you put yourself out there, and the flip side is you get all this interaction with all these people in in a way that is much more dynamic and, I think, egalitarian in terms of the whole process. It was fun and, and refreshing, and something I hadn't seen before. Blown away by how much deliberate fun, fun, fun there is at Smack.
0: Hello, hello, hello. I changed the order slightly this week, you've probably noticed. That was an introduction to Smack Gold 2014, which has been and gone, unfortunately. It's another Smack I didn't make. I'm still planning on making, possibly not Chicago next year, but hopefully Smack Euro, wherever that might be the year after. We've yet to find out. The people you heard there to start with was Natalie May. Um, She's one of the contributors to Smack. That was followed by Min Le Kong, who's the Royal Flying Doctor Service doctor who tweets very regularly from down in Brisbane, Australia. Then you heard... Kay Rolls is another lady I've interviewed, is also a nurse in Australia, and then finally heard the you heard the great Rich Levitan. Um, and I want to say thank you to Matthew Harris for allowing me to sample the interview he did with Natalie May and also to Min for the interview he did with um, Richard Levitan, who is the last guy you heard. I also managed to interview Chris Nixon, who's one of the organisers of the Smack conferences. So without further ado, let's get on and hear the conversation that he and I had, which is very interesting about the origins of Smack and the philosophy, etc. Enough from me. Let's hear from Chris. When we start talking about why I started podcasting
3: the podcast by your crowd was really the inspiration for it all I, I thought well there's lots of doctors out there doing it but there don't seem to be many nurses uh, and i think we've probably got um, a lot to say as well so that's that's kind of why i uh, got on that pathway
6: oh that, that's great um, and i mean there's a huge potential um audience and interest i think with the critical care nurses practitioner type um area and it's really varied too so you know you've got a lot of stuff to talk about
3: yeah um just just to clarify a little bit about yourself as well um your which hospital do you work in what's your specialty at the moment
6: um so i'm a fellow at the alfred icu um i in terms of background i'm uh essentially well i'm an intensivist and an emergency physician so i've completed training in both
3: Right. Okay. Um, and you say the Alfred is that? Is that a hospital in? Yeah. Which, so that... Yeah.
6: That, that's the. Um, it's funny. All the hospitals in Melbourne they um, they don't call themselves hospitals. So yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. So it's the big um, trauma centre, probably the biggest trauma centre in Australia, and based in Melbourne. Um, also, probably the biggest ECMO centre as well, and heart transplants. Um, uh, lung transplants that sort of thing
3: right okay so um, is it a, a very is it a selection of specialized intensive cares then or is it just one huge intensive care with lots of specialties in it
6: yeah so we're um, uh, a 45 bed ICU that's divided into three pods trauma mm. general and cardiothoracic and uh, at least the doctors all rotate through like on a week by week basis, So we have a, like a week on week off roster um, as trainees and the consultants do one week at a time as well in each unit and we'll basically just rotate through them all. The nurses uh, can work in any but some of them like to sub-specialise so there'll be some that pretty much just work in the cardiac pod, others trauma, etc.,
3: Right do you find that the the more senior nurses are the ones that tend to specialize and stay where they are or is there a mix of people moving about
6: Yeah I I, th- I think it's all um a bit of a mixture because I guess most of the more senior nurses have have uh, roles that probably extend that cross the pods so I guess like the ones with education roles or um, the various sort of team leaders and that they will tend to, like particularly on a night shift or whatever, they will probably have a role that actually covers all the pods. So it's different to, I suppose, some places that become super specialised, especially given that it has a lot of sort of super specialisations within the unit. Um, they, uh, uh, yeah, there's... Still, kind of, I guess a, um, I guess, yeah, uh, there, there's still kind of an appreciation for genera- for being a generalist and being able to do more than one thing. And I guess that's how we do our ECMO and things like that. It's all, it's still just an ICU nurse who basically lo- looks after the ECMO patient, looks after the ECMO machine, etc.
3: Right, okay. Wow. Because I was um I was involved in ECMO a good few years ago now at Glenfield Hospital in Leicester over here mm-hmm. um and then, then it was reasonably still in its early days and it was pre swine flu as well. I, did did you have a lot of experience of using ECMO in the swine flu epidemic that occurred a few years ago?
6: Yeah, I wasn't in Melbourne then. I was uh, back over in Perth at um Sir Charles Gardner Hospital and uh, a trainee and so I'd I, that was really my first big experience, uh, sort of dealing with ECMO patients, and it was one of those times when, you know, you never sort of forget it. We had a lot of, uh, uh, the, the thing that sticks out in my mind is just all the preg- pregnant women that got really sick and, uh, yeah. a lot of them who were on ECMO for a long time. And um, obviously that was a major um, sort of publication, I think, because Australia and New Zealand got hit by uh, the swine flu kind of before the rest of the world and um, mm. published their sort of ECMO experience. And then that was kind of repeated throughout the world. And I, I guess looking back, the swine flu was one of the things that really uh, led to ECMO being rolled out uh, worldwide.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's, it's here to stay for uh, for sh- certainly uh, the short term, if not the long term, isn't it?
6: Yeah, I mean, now the question is, uh, do we need ventilators in the ICU in the longer run? As ECMO uh, um, ECMO enthusiasts would would say that anyway, that uh, the technology is just going to get easier and better and more reliable and more widespread probably be the very similar to putting a vasca in and putting people on Mm. uh, hemodialysis i suppose in the next 10 years
3: or so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes so we're just going to move down the respiratory dialysis field instead yeah yeah effectively
6: (laughs) unless we start injecting uh uh liquid oxygen or something into people that we'll see
3: Things of the future. Right. Thanks very much for coming to talk to me, anyway, Chris. And if I can just um, uh, explain, perhaps, to some people who don't um, know why this conversation came about, the Smack Conference is gonna, has just been held, Smack Gold, and there was a lot of excitement post Smack Gold. Um, we'll talk a bit more about Smack in a moment. But I uh, kind of went on Twitter and started trying to get a campaign together to get Smack Europe. Uh, or smack uk as as i was particularly selfishly calling it um and um ollie uh ollie flower uh, came on to Twitter and just asked if you could have a word. Uh, it, was, it was like being pulled to one side quietly in my ear and very reasonably said that, you know, it's just going to muddy the waters a little bit and would I mind not not doing that? And I'm more than happy not to. Um, I guess in a way I was being a little bit cagey in that I was just trying to raise the profile over in the UK and Ollie and yourself very kindly said that you'd be more than happy to speak to me and my audience about smack and all it entails. So that's why... Um, Chris very kindly has agreed to come and talk to me about it. Hopefully we can benefit from that. So, Chris, just tell me a little bit about, because I encountered Smack, um, I think, in its first round, which was back in 2013. Am I right in saying that was the first time Smack had happened?
6: Yeah, yeah. So the first Smack was um, uh, March 2013 in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, and it all came together pretty quickly. It was, it's all a bit of a blur, to be honest
3: what 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 was the what what was the precipitating factor that got this thing moving forward whose idea was it how did it start
6: so it was probably about seven months i think before the actual conference kicked off the first one uh, I've known ollie for many years we were um, both did training together at various parts and I got involved um with mike uh, Cadigan and um basically starting up life in the fast lane and uh Ollie actually contributed to that uh, to a little bit and then he subsequently got involved in the intensive care network and uh probably yeah around that time not long beforehand um Ollie got me involved in a conference called the bedside critical care conference that uh mm-hmm. Roger Harris has run for a while which is a great sort of uh week of half days again kind of a multidisciplinary and also nurses doctors there's a mix of people that go there and it's kind of you do half days which are often uh mini lectures small group sessions and then you have kind of a half a day with your family and go and do some stuff somewhere quite cool and yeah. at, at the end of that basically uh i got a call from Molly and roger saying uh you know we need to do something with the uh, um uh, with the foam the social media stuff. And I'd also talked to a few other people like Cliff Reed about this beforehand, but it was just kind of a loose idea. And what Roger really brought to it was sort of conference experience and knowing the logistics and how to make it all happen, really. And it kind of just grew from there. And uh, Ollie came up with the name, I'm pretty sure it was Ollie, uh, Smack, standing for Social Media and Critical Care. I kind of tongue in cheek suggested, uh, free open access critical care might be a, <laughs> might be a more interesting
3: acronym, but that almost. <laughs> I was, I was, I was listening to your, I was listening to your conversation, uh, the, um, rage podcast, which was the, your you lot sitting around the table and that, that came up in that conversation as well. And I think that might have been interesting amongst some of the dustier hallways of the medical profession to have used that one but there you go that's a shame
6: yeah that was almost the end of the um, venture
3: (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine so just the the, you say it was seven months before Um, as far as organizational commitments go was that something that you got together as a committee and moved on things individually or did you outsource it to a, a, a company that organizes these things how did that process work
6: yeah, so Roger's quite heavily involved with a, a conference organising company and then uh, I guess the main aspect that I particularly would be involved in was recruiting speakers and um, uh, helping put together the programme and we, we did that really, really fast. So I guess it was within two weeks we pretty much would have had all of our speakers for the first conference you know just with a couple of minor gaps and had the program all mapped out and I think that kind of signifies uh kind of what what you know that's when we thought something something's happening here because Mm. just everybody we talked to and asked seemed to be keen and interested and excited by the idea so the ease with which we were able to Sign up speakers and roll out a program uh, Kind of went Oh okay, uh, maybe this will be More than two or three hundred people As we were initially Expecting and then ended up with Seven hundred or so
3: in Sydney Wow and did you um, as far as contacts go and potential speakers because the name of the 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 conference would suggest that it it would involve people who were um, let's say social media savvy was that your focus in attracting speakers or did that take second place to something that they had to say that was worth hearing
6: yeah so the what the conference was meant to do was um, to give a a physical reality to um, uh, a community, really, that had sort of grown out of uh, social media circles as free, open access medical education sort of movement. Because um, with we, we, Ollie in particular, I think uh, coming from the intensive care network, which kind of grew out of the same thing, which was kind of a, a way to connect people. Um, over the internet and bring them face-to-face and that strengthens the interactions and lets you do stuff that you can't do online. So that's what we wanted it to be and we obviously we knew a lot of great people um, uh, from the phone world like Scott Weingart who are fantastic speakers and so we wanted to kind of build a conference around those core speakers and but also to make it sort of uh, a place for them to interact with people who, who they've been talking to for some time over the internet as well as people who won't be speaking or don't have websites but actually use the stuff and they can talk to one another as well
3: yeah okay because i mean um again i probably discovered the power of twitter at the same time that i discovered smack back in uh january of 2013 and for me one of the great advantages to it it's it's a it's certainly a flattening of the hierarchy in that you know i can communicate with chief executives as well as uh, nurses more junior than me but the other great advantage is how quickly things move i mean for example i was uh, chatting with a nurse on twitter yesterday there was a, an article released where there was a a doctor who will shall remain nameless who was poo-pooing the powers of social media and between us within about four tweets we decided we would do a podcast about it and we've got that sorted hopefully for next week so i just think and this is and she's australian as well and this is very fast communication across the whole world and it's making the uh, working um, practices between the continents let alone countries uh, move in a much speedier way and um, in a much more powerful way. Yeah it's potentially a really um, powerful tool for knowledge
6: translation Um, together with a couple of other people we uh, or I got a editorial um, published in Critical Care and Resuscitation on that very topic about the potential of Social media for, um, I guess, knowledge dissemination and translation. It's really hard to know uh, what's going to happen and how in the future, and just. But we've seen examples already of sort of how powerful it is for things like um, peer review. And for instance, just in the recent weeks, has been the whole um, uh, uh, Tamiflu debacle has sort of come to light um, with the revision of the. Cochrane review and that was actually all triggered off by a, a Japanese doctor um, leaving a comment on the Cochrane website suggesting that their original systematic review was biased by the fact that um, most of the positive studies in favor of Tamiflu were just based on a, uh, a, a drug company funded review for which a lot of the data wasn't available for, mm. And subsequently, we um, now know that it probably has very little benefit and a lot, a lot of money's been spent on it. That's just another example. We've had other examples of corrections in the New England Journal of Medicine following a blog post on the Intensive Care Network. And yeah. in general, this sort of whole, uh, sort of online community, something like FOAM has a real potential for post publication peer review and, um, I guess outing things that just don't seem right.
3: Yeah, I mean the 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 article I was um, looking at particularly with the, the doctor in it, I think it, from my point of view, had missed the point a little because he was saying that um, it was we needed to be much more careful using social media to um, connect with the patient population. And I don't use it to connect to the patient population. Some people might, but from my experience, it's about connecting with my peers and about networking with other people who can help me keep up to date and informed. And I, I, I suspect that's probably the way that you use it as well.
6: Yeah, very much so. I'm uh, quite cynical about many of the suggested uses for social media, but for selected things, the dissemination of, Links to, um, educational websites, podcasts, um, articles and, uh, discussions with your peers. It's extremely powerful. Um, and again, I I guess it partly reflects the specialty that we work in, which, um, in the critical care world is that we tend not to have those ongoing, uh, relationships with patients. I guess if you're a doctor Mm. who is clinic based, then you may be looking at ways to improve your ongoing communication with patients. And I can see that there's a lot of minefields there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So just to go back to SMAC, because that's kind of why I wanted to speak to you in the first place, uh, we talked about the original idea behind it. The, w- what would you say, if you, if this isn't going to put you on the spot a little bit, what would you say is the underlying philosophy behind SMAC? If somebody wanted to come and speak there, what would you tell them it was about and what what would they be able to do with their information?
6: Uh, I think what the conference is really about is it's all part of the idea that um, a a critically ill patient doesn't care where they are or who is looking after them so that's really the philosophy that we have is that if wherever you come from whatever your job is whether you're a paramedic whether you're a nurse whether you're a doctor a trainee or or have been doing it for many many years um, you've got something to share and you've and we've all got definitely things to learn and I think that's really what Smack is about. So we have people from all walks of life up on stage talking, but more than more than talking is the interaction, which is facilitated by social media. So people, um, we've had questions from people on the other side of the world interacting with our speakers, but then. What really makes this conference, I think, different is that it really is—it really does feel like a reunion of friends who've never met before. When you um, mm. are walking around the place, and you know, you've someone comes up to you, and you, are, you know, you know you've interacted with them before, um, and that spins off even into the people who aren't actively on social media. And it's not really a social media conference; it's a critical care conference powered by social media. So that. But that interactivity and that openness just spills off into everyone else as well. And it's a really powerful thing um, to see. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think you could design it like
3: that. It just seems to be something that's happened. I mean, the impression from the outside looking in is that it just feels a lot less, shall we use the word, stuffy than some of the conferences that you can go to. its I I, I almost picture you all sitting there with, you know, Hawaiian shirts on, open necked, enjoying the Australian sunshine, the odd beer and, you know. The, the information you impart to each other is, is critical, but the, I think, almost family atmosphere that seems to be created in there is something that helps that conference become the fabulous thing that it is. Is that fair to say? Yeah, stuffy
6: is definitely not a word that you could use to describe smack. It's um, <laughs> uh, it's a very uh, kind of loose weave. It's a lot of fun, I think, um it just feels very 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 open and it is uh it does have a family atmosphere i mean we had a uh child care um service provided by the conference and certainly my my little boy spent some time in there that, this time round but it just all of those things i think add up
3: fantastic that's brilliant to hear uh, just uh, another question that occurred to me as well um the conversation that you was on the Rage podcast about SMAC very, very briefly mentioned one of the nurses that spoke there. Is this something that SMAC wants to get more involvement from? I mean, especially on this side of the hemisphere, we've got quite a lot of um, advanced nurse practitioners who are moving in and doing a lot of what was considered the traditional doctor jobs. Is this something that you think the SMAC conferences in the future might involve a little more?
6: Oh, definitely. If, if you've got something to say and you can back it up, it doesn't really matter, um, what your job title is or what your gender is. I mean, the, particularly the first smack and less so the s- smack gold, the second one, it has obviously been biased by who our connections are and who we know and how we're evolving. Yeah. But I think more and more now we're in a position where we can, um, Uh, the the whole world is opening up to it so I think there's much room for much wider involvement
3: yeah okay great Um, so just I'll start winding up in a minute Chris because I'm aware your time must be precious and it's probably getting late into the evening over there but the next conference is uh, SMAC US um, in Chicago is there uh, what's likely to be happening there that you might be able to tell us about or is it a bit early early days yet
6: uh, it, it is, it is fairly early days, so, um, uh, Roger Nolly will be going over to check out the venue, um, very shortly. And, uh, we're in the process of putting together the program and get, getting the speakers. It's gonna have, uh, I, I guess the other thing I should say about SMAC is that, um, uh, although we do have a lot of people from the foam or social media world who are speaking there's a lot of speakers who really um are just there on their own merit um for their research for their knowledge their clinical experience and we'll be having more of the same there'll be uh more of a north american focus in terms of the speakers the content and obviously in the audience as well but we really do want to keep the um the the smack ethos and the smack feel um, uh, there and because I think that's the thing that makes it what what it is makes it so good and you know we'll have to see where it goes we'd certainly love to um, pay a visit to the UK or Europe um, uh, maybe maybe the year after we'll have to see. <laughs>
3: yeah absolutely i know there's um there 's quite a lot of excitement um Smack is something that um people in critical care over here are. Probably a year ago, didn't know much about, but I, I mention it now, and there's more people. The light bulb goes on rather than the the the, the eyes rolling back. The, <laughs> yeah, the eyes rolling back and the the glazing over that you can sometimes get, and I I do get a lot of glazing over still when I talk about Twitter and the power of Twitter, and I'm working on that from my end just to try and inspire people because it's still very much people think of twitter as just following celebrities and you know tweeting about what you had for coffee what what you had for breakfast this morning so there's a lot of work there to be done but um, working on it from my end still
6: yeah i'm very familiar with those uh, particular challenges but i guess for me the ultimately i've realized that it, it's not for everyone and not everyone needs to be involved in it but i think every department should have someone who is involved in it and should be respected yeah. for their involvement because the ideas and stuff that they can bring and just put on the table for everyone else. Um, you're really missing out if you're, if you're not involved.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my ambition in, in the department I work in is to start developing something. I'm going to call the Twitter times. I think once a month, just get it out there, tell people what's happening on Twitter, what new things have come up and just see if I can inspire people that way. So just one last point for me, Chris, if you could just, um, what, what for you, were the highlights of the um, last SMAC conference?
6: Yeah, it's really hard to single stuff out, but I think um, almost universally uh, there was uh, one... And I guess that's the other tricky thing, is that uh, I've really only seen a quarter of SMAC gold because of the four streams that were run. Um, so everyone has their own sort of experiences, and then you're waiting for the podcast to come out free so that you can catch up on what you've missed and what you've heard about and I'm in the same boat but yeah. I think almost universally there was a plenary that was sort of uh, uh, interview based um, we had maybe half a dozen maybe more sort of experts from different fields on stage and Victoria Brazil kind of uh, worked them interview style and quite a challenging but um a safe way about end of life and palliative care issues and as we all know those of us working in um, the critical care specialties that this is really I think a neglected and um, just so important area of our practice and I know a number of people after that said when that goes online they're just gonna get everyone in their hospital just to uh, watch the video of that discussion Because it, it really hit home For a lot of people So um, we're hoping that we'll release that Fairly early on And the podcast should be coming live uh, Well the Smack Gold Parts of the podcast should be coming live In the next couple of weeks Very very soon
3: Where can people find those particularly Where would you point them to uh, So the
6: Smack podcast is on iTunes So if you search for smack podcast you'll find it on itunes and then most of the talks will appear all over the shop on 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 the on the fame websites because what we do is we like the speakers or um, people who actually uh, were involved in creating a part of the smack to actually host it on their own website but it all does get mirrored on um, intensivecarenetwork.com uh, if you again if you search for the smack podcast there and much of it is also mirrored on life in the far same but if you're su- subscribing to itunes or the podcast through some other um, podcast subscribing software that way you'll get things uh, very quickly um, it will appear in your itunes feed but uh, you can also uh, through the websites you'll get access to um, uh, all the slides and many of them have videos as well associated with them.
3: Fantastic. Just um, two, well, three last questions for you. First of all, I want you to see if you can find me one of your senior nurses in your hospital who will come and talk to me about her role because I think it... it I'm, I'm quite keen to see um what the development process is out there as far as advanced practice is concerned. So it would be nice to be able to, if you can tug on somebody's sleeve and get someone to come and speak to me, that would be brilliant.
6: Yeah, I think that should be possible. I mean, there's, uh, yeah, you know, I, there's probably a few different areas of There's People who could probably talk from the education point of view,
3: from the ECMO, yeah. you, na- you yeah. name it. So, yeah, I'll definitely... That, that, that would be brilliant. I'd love, love to, and, you know, uh, over, over in the UK and in Europe, we'd like to hear some of the different things that you do and some of the advancements that you've made and and vice versa, I guess. The other thing as well is you mentioned the uh, Bedside Critical Care Conference and I, I didn't catch the name of the doctor that organised that because he might be somebody that I might um, chase as well. What what was his name?
6: Oh, so the... Um original organizer is uh, uh is Roger Harris who continues to oh, be right. uh, okay, sort yeah. of i guess he's our he's our uh our head honcho really at, at Smack um i think yeah. he's going to be less involved in it in uh in the iterations coming up because we're all finding smack kind of a, an overwhelming uh experience which is a good thing um yeah. But, but yeah it's a it's a great thing to look out for
3: Okay. And then I wondered if you'd do me one last favor, and this will be kind of edited out of the final version of the podcast. It's just that I've been getting people to, to say a little spiel, which I can then use at the beginning of other podcasts. So uh, it goes something like, hi, my name is, and your name, your title, and you're listening to the Critical Care Practitioner podcast, which I then edit out and use at the beginning of other podcasts. Would be that Would that be something you could do for me?
6: Okay, so uh, let me just. Uh, so I'm. I'll do a practice run. Uh, yeah, sure. So hi, my name's Chris Nixon. I'm a fellow at the Alfred ITU, and you're listening to the Critical Care Practitioner Podcast. Is that the one? That's fantastic. Did, did, that, did that, I get that, the name right? Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. did. You got it.
3: You got it perfectly right. And that'll do because I can. I can chop that about a little bit. That's. That's brilliant, Chris. Thanks for your help. Okay, no worries, mate. And, um,
6: and yeah, it's great to see. You know. I, I always find it great to um, uh, see new stuff coming up and seeing what people come up with and it's always really inspiring um, and uh, humbling to see just how many good people there are out there making really great stuff so good on you
3: well there's and thank you to you lot as well because you know it's the smack conference and twitter and seeing you lot interact on twitter that's kind of inspired me i i wouldn't i i wouldn't be um um overplaying it to say that possibly twitter and the power of social media has kind of changed my uh, working career for the better in an immense way so i'm just trying to inspire other people through that and trying to get other people to realize that you know There's a big world out there and we don't have to do everything just because we've always done it that way. We can learn from others very easily just by having your mobile phone in your pocket. You know, you've got, by having that in your pocket, you've got the world's biggest library at your fingertips. So um, that's fabulous. Anyway, thanks very much, Chris. Uh, Really, really nice to talk to you. And hopefully when some of the issues come up, I can come and pest you again. That would be great if I could.
6: Yeah, no problems. Uh, uh, Time zones willing
3: yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah it's throwing me a little bit that is as well and i'm i'm also trying to i'm talking to several people from australia next week as well so i dare say we'll hopefully we'll get our timings right but it's good to speak to you chris and uh we'll probably uh meet again at some point i'm hoping that um, i'm going to be coming to i don't think it'll be chicago next year but if there is one in europe then that's my ambition is to make it to that one so one day i'll shake your hand and uh, we'll have a beer together
0: all right,
3: then, Chris. you like for your help. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers,
0: mate. See you, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. Great interview by Chris there. Really interesting to talk to. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I've learnt an awful lot, and it just increases my desire to one day attend one of these Smack conferences. In the meantime, we're just going to have to content ourselves with getting some of the Smack videos that they're releasing regularly. The FOMED principle is alive and well through Smack various websites you can go to you can go to the smack itunes store and have a look there they're all free and they're gradually releasing them i've been trying to watch some of them there's many many more to watch and i would recommend all of them they're all absolutely brilliant and you can learn such a lot from them smack chicago is next year the date's been announced uh it's been moved but uh from may to june i believe so the date has been announced so If you can go, go Um, and make sure you tweet from it so that us that can't go can follow it. Go to my website, criticalcarepractitioner.co.uk if you want to Uh, make contact with me. I'd love to speak to any practitioners out there that want to keep in touch. You can sign up for my newsletter, which I try to release fairly regularly. I'm still doing the YouTube um, video um, teaching project on human physiology. Um, And if you wanted to help me cover some of the costs, you can go to Patreon and sponsor some of the shows. It doesn't matter if you do or if you don't, because I'm going to keep producing them. It's just a fabulous way to network with people. I've been going on too long already. I hope you've enjoyed this one. I've certainly enjoyed making it, and I look forward to the next one. Bye-bye.